Once again, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, we're going through the book of Galatians. Because I think, you know, it's important for us to understand the difference between works and grace. And that some of us, you know, we're trying so hard to live our Christian faith, but we're trying to earn it. And so, you know what, in our family, the men do, do most of the cooking. You know, we do the lion's share of the cooking. And the reason we do that is my grandfather, when he came over from Japan, he was actually a cook to the gold miners in Alaska. And so he passed that on to my father, who did all the cooking, um, most of the cooking. And then he passed it on to myself. And we do, you know, like I said, I do the holiday cooking, you know, whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, or, you know, a lot of the cooking, just because... That was part of the way our father taught me. And then I passed it on to Michael, who actually is better than me because he has a better palate than I. I kind of have a boring palate, you know. And so um, if you take, you know, a lot of you would think my dishes are just ordinary. But anyway, you know, one of the things, like I said, I I like to cook. And, uh, you know, where I get my recipes is I get my recipes from cookbooks. You know, a lot of those church cookbooks, they have wonderful um, recipes, and, you know, Mission Valley has one, and I got a lot from there. But more recently, I get them from allrecipes.com. I don't know if you've ever been to allrecipes.com, but, you know, they have some pretty good recipes there where you just type in whatever you want to make, whatever ingredients, and a recipe would come up. And then, it's, you know, they have those recipes, but then there's always that comment section where you get people who comment, where they say, oh, this is a wonderful recipe, but I exchanged this for that, I changed this, and instead of using this, I used that, right? And it's kind of like if the um, uh, recipe was for basil pesto, pesto, and they said, you know, this is a great recipe, but I just exchanged the basil for spinach, right? And then, it's, then inevitably, you have these comments that say, why don't you just make the recipe as it is, and if you're going to exchange it, just put in your own recipe. Because by exchanging basil, I mean spinach for pesto, you change the whole recipe. And people get really upset, and you see these in the comments. By the way, that's the way I make pesto, but, you know, I'm not, basil's kind of strong for me. So I uh, use spinach instead. It's not bad. You should try it. Um, <laughs> But anyway, what they're saying is this is the recipe, but by adding this, subtracting that, by mixing this, you change the whole recipe, and that recipe is no longer that recipe. Stop it. Don't do that. Right? Well, this is the same thing that was going on in the Church of Galatia, right, where Paul came out, and he shared the gospel message. However, people were adding things to the gospel message. And Paul is furious. He's saying this is no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore because you guys are adding to it, right? And that's what we're going to learn today because I think some of us, we do that. I know that I've done this in the course of um, my walk with Jesus. And so we're going to see that when we add to Scripture, it leads to disastrous consequences. So if you have your Bible, could you turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. And this is how the Apostle Paul starts. He said, Paul, an apostle sent not by man nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul is stating his credentials here because one of the credentials of the apostle was that they had to actually witness 
you know, Jesus Christ and the things that he did. And so Paul was never one of the 12. He came afterwards, but he's saying, look, I'm an apostle, and I wasn't sent by men, but he was sent by Jesus Christ. Why? Because Paul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. So he's explaining that, yes, I do have the credentials. Then he says in verse 2, to all the brothers and sisters with me. Now, when you're reading scripture, this is important. You might say, well, you just skim over the, you know, the introductions. But when Paul is saying to all the brothers and sisters with me, he's talking about um, believers, right? Brothers and sisters. So whenever you see him using the word brothers and sisters, he is speaking to believers. And he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it getting light and dark in? It, no? Okay, good. I'm just saying, I'm forgetting things. Now it's getting lighter and darker. It's on my eyes. Okay. Um, but he, he, you know, this grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, once again, this was his standard greeting. What he was saying is when you look at this in light of salvation, well, salvation was given to you by grace, right? And also, as a result of that salvation given to you by grace, what? Believers, you should experience peace. So this is what Paul is saying in a lot of his um, greetings to people. And then he, in a nutshell, gives the uh, gospel message. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father? And so just right here in a nutshell, he shares about the gospel message. And he puts this here because he knows that somewhere down in the rest of the letter that he's going to have to explain this and to the people who are diluting and adding to this message. So basically, in a nutshell, what does he say the gospel message is? And most of you know this. is number one, Jesus uh, gave himself for our sins, right? Number two, to rescue us from the present evil age, right? So um, no longer do we... Um, experience death. No longer are we charged guilty, but what he does is he rescued us from, when he says evil age, it's not a period of time. He's talking about the quality of that, the world that we live in, and it's the evil. And all you have to do is look at the news or whatnot, and you know that, yes, this world is uh, evil. And then he said, according to the will of, God, of our God and Father, so God planned this, right? God planned this. And so, you know, that's why he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? That whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. And so this was all planned by God, right? And then he also said, and this is the most important, I think one of the most important phrases, especially for this letter that Paul writes, and to him be the glory forever and ever. And so what Paul is saying is this is the gospel message, but God and God alone gets the glory forever and ever. And so this is what Paul is saying. And this is key because God is the one who planned our salvation. Jesus Christ is the one who carried it out on the cross, and the Holy Spirit confirms our salvation and transforms us into the likeness of Christ. So once again, God is doing all of the work, therefore God gets all the glory, not us. We shouldn't say, okay, yeah, God did this, but, you know, I did this. 
And we see this in Ephesians 2.8, where Paul says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. And this is one of the easiest things about Christianity, but the hardest thing about Christianity. Because what is it saying here is our salvation, our ticket into heaven, is not based on our works. Right? If you look at all other religions, it's what? It's based upon your works. That if you do the right things, if you do the right actions, then maybe you'll get to heaven. Christianity is the opposite. But it says, for by grace you have been saved. Grace is just unmerited favor, meaning that we didn't deserve this. We didn't earn this, that God, out of his great love for us, gave us this, and there's nothing that you could have done in order to obtain it. And so, you know, when you think about it, you go, wow, that's great, right? Because we all know ourselves. We all know we've messed up, and if we really take a look at our lives and we start um, balancing good and bad, right, we go, man, the bad outweighs the good. Because I'm not just talking about actions, because God looks at the thoughts and the hearts too. So if you take a look at that, you go, oh my goodness, it doesn't balance. Right? There's no, no way my actions or thought could get me into heaven. Right? So, hey, great news, right? It's about faith and belief. But the harder thing is, wait, it's just about faith and belief? I, there's nothing I could do to earn this? Surely I got to do something, right? And then you say, it's too good to be true. Okay, there's got to be some, there's, okay, what's the catch here? It's kind of like, you know, on Facebook, I'm getting all these ads from Timu, right? And you're looking at these prices, and I'm looking at transformers, and these transformers are selling for like 20 bucks, and I go, wait, I'm a transformer expert. I know how much transformers cost, right? And, okay, I know these aren't the G1s that were back in the 1970s or 80s because there's no way. But this is crazy. And I'm looking at all of these other things that I've been wanting, and I know, wait, this this normally sells for $1,000, and, wait, you're selling it to me for $63? Yeah, that's right. I don't know if you, I know nothing about Timu. So maybe some of you have used Timu. I don't know. But to me, when I look at it, okay, something doesn't add up here. Because I know the prices of the collectibles that I want, and it's not <coughs> adding up. Well, some people look at that by, about Christianity. But then Paul goes on in verse 9, and he says, What about our salvation? Not by works so that no one could boast. See, in the introduction for Galatians, who gets all the glory? God. God gets all the glory. And God is worthy of getting all of the glory, right? And so he says our salvation is by grace. And God, you know, loves us. And you don't have to earn it. He's just giving it to you. That's how much he loves you. However... Make no mistake, there's nothing you could do to earn it. There's not enough good works you could do to earn salvation. Even Isaiah says this, our best works are like filthy rags to a holy God, right? But that's okay, because this is the way God set it up. Why? Because he doesn't want us to boast. You know, when we stand before um, Jesus in heaven, there is no way I could say, you know, God, I, I, you know, Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. But man, did you see what I did here? Did you see what I did here? Do I get credit for this? You know, hey, give me, you know, you know, I can't do that, right? Because it is by God and God alone 
that I am able to gain salvation, right? So once again, we did absolutely nothing to gain salvation and do nothing to keep it. So that's the problem with the church in Galatia. They were saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, but we have to do these other things. We have to continue to follow the Jewish, certain Jewish laws in order to maintain our standing with God. So Paul goes on to say, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, if you just read this Facebook, you go, oh, my man, I'm astonished that you guys are doing this. This word in Greek is actually stronger because if you look at all Paul's, most of Paul's letters, what he does is he has his introduction, but then he follows it up by being, showing how thankful he, are, he was to the recipients of the letters. Like in Romans 1.8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Ephesians 1.16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul normally gives his greeting, and then somewhere down the road, he thanks his recipients. However, in Galatians, there's none of that. There's none of that. He goes straight to saying, I'm amazed or I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting like a, a soldier would desert his post when trouble was coming. But when he's saying he's astonished, he's really saying, I can't believe you're doing this. It's that strong. It's not that, oh, I'm astonished. No, Paul is upset here, right? And so you have to know this. And what he was saying is, hey, you're not deserting the church. You're deserting Jesus Christ. You're deserting the one who hung on the cross for your sins. You're the, deserting the one who loved you enough to go through all of that so you could what? Ha, er, have your salvation that you had nothing to do with earning. You are deserting him, right? In order to what? Live a life of works. Because Jesus died so you could live a life of grace. But now you're deserting that to go back and live a life of works. That you're trying to do things to make sure that you're right with God. But he also con uh, continues and said, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel. So what he's saying is that there are people in, and we're going to talk about this later, and that, but he's saying there are some people in the church that have the Jesus plus faith. That yes, you are saved through Jesus Christ, but plus you have to do this. You know, they were, had false teachers that said, you know what? Yes, salvation is through Jesus Christ, coupled with what? The old system, meaning circumcision. That if you want to become a Christian, especially for those who weren't Jewish, is like, yes, believe in Jesus Christ, but all you males, you have to be circumcised. Or you have to still follow the dietary laws. Or you have to observe certain holidays. Once again, the Jesus plus gospel. And what Paul was so upset about, he goes, this is not the gospel. This is another gospel. This is something that's totally different. And so when you add just a little to the gospel you are creating a whole different gospel that is misleading people. And Paul is furious 
Why? And so why are these new converts, these non-Jewish people, starting to maybe think, oh, you know what, maybe it is about Jesus plus. Because you have to look about back back then, they had this thing called the emperor worship, where everybody had to worship the emperor. And if you didn't, you were executed, you were put in prison, and you were persecuted, right? And so there was one group of individuals who were exempt from that, and that was the Jews. The Jews, the, the Romans knew that the Jews um, believed in one God and one God only. And they knew that Jewish, um, uh, the Jews felt so strongly about that they were willing to die for or um, fight you for. And so what the Roman government said, okay, all of you have to worship the emperor except if you're Jewish. If you're Jewish, you are exempt from that. However, they still required the Jews to pray for the Roman Empire and to pray for Caesar, right? But they didn't have to worship him. Right? They were exempt from the persecution. So a lot of Christians were saying, okay, well, I believe in Christianity, but you know what? Hey, there's some benefits that these Jews have. And these guys are saying, you know what? I mean, yeah, it's through Jesus Christ, so it's not really heresy, Right there, we're not saying salvation is from somebody else, but there's these other things. But you know what? If I follow them, and then what? I could somehow tie ourselves to this Jewish ancestry, then what? We are exempt from the persecution. We are exempt from worshiping the emperor. So, what they were doing is they were changing the gospel, they were interpreting the gospel for their own benefit. But before we get all uptight about that and go, how could they change the gospel message? Don't we do that? You know, we do that, right? Because, you know, growing up, it's like, how far can we sin? I'm not far. Yeah. How far can we do this without actually sinning? Right? What's the limit? And we used to do that all the time. When I was growing up, we knew Scripture. We knew what God wanted and what God didn't want. So we would say, okay, how close can I get to still obeying the Scripture but having fun or comfort or having the desire I want, right? And we do this. And sometimes when we go through Scripture, we interpret it in a way that what? Benefits us. You know, when Jesus said, you know, if you look at a woman um, with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. And you know, surely he didn't mean that literally. Yeah, I used to think that too, you know. I said, God, he, you know, he was talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees thought they were perfect. And so Jesus was saying, well, you think you're perfect. Well, if you do this, well, you're committing adultery. He was just trying to show them a lesson. He didn't want to take it literally. Right? What was I doing? I was interpreting Jesus' words to what? Benefit what I was comfortable with. And there's a danger in that. And we have to be careful with that. You know, it's like, am I really gossiping? Well, I'm not really gossiping. I'm asking for a prayer request. 
right? You know, I'm just saying, oh, so, so I'm just telling everybody, oh, you know, could you pray for some so-and-so? They're going through a rough time right now. They're involved in all of these things that we know a God-fearing Christian shouldn't be involved in. And so let's pray for them right now, right? And we're saying, well, well, what is gossip? Is it really gossip? It's not. We're praying. The Bible tells us to pray for people. And so <laughs> we're praying for them. But we do that. We interpret Scripture in order to accommodate our lifestyle. And once we start doing that, we, as Paul says, we are headed for destruction. But as somebody who's walked with the Lord for a long time, you can't do that. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit's not going to let you get away with that. Because if you're looking at scriptures to try to find loopholes, and I spent a lifetime as a youth and young adult and adult looking for loopholes, right? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the uh, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when you are reading scripture and you are trying to look for loopholes, the Jesus plus, guess what? We forget that the Bible is alive. It's this sword that what is the, the author of Hebrews says? It judges the thoughts and attitudes. So I don't know how many times when I'm reading Scripture, trying to interpret it for my benefit, the Holy Spirit is telling me, come on, Dave. You know that's not what it means. You know that's not what it you, you know you're interpreting it for your own um, comfort and your own desire. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, right? The Holy Spirit convicts us. Why? Because God's Word is loving. And reading Scripture isn't about finding loopholes. See, legalism is saying, okay, these are the rules, and they say, as long as I don't break these rules, or as long as I do this and I don't do this, I'm accepted by God, right? And we, we all know that, right? This is, the, this is the kind of culture we've grown up with, meaning that if we know that if we do certain things, we are rewarded, right? You know, self-initiative, right? God helps those who help themselves. Did you know that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not in the Bible? 81% of people think that's a Bible verse, including Christians, that God helps those who help themselves. And the question is, why do we believe that? Well, because it's our culture, right? We come from a culture that what? really values initiative. Then Now, there's nothing wrong with initiative and hard work. But the whole thing, God helps those who help themselves, that that comes from a Greek proverb, right? That has nothing to do with Scripture. Why? Because the Bible says that we are helpless, and what? We need God's help. We are to rely on God. We are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on what? Our own understanding, and all our ways acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. Nowhere does it say God helps those who help themselves. But you've seen that throughout culture, that there's something about us that feels like whatever we have, we have to have a part of earning it. So when it came to understanding that, you know, it's Jesus plus, they got that. They got that. Because aren't we like that too? Are we like, okay, Jesus, I know that you died for my sins, but, you know, look at what I'm doing. You know, that counts too, right? 
because that's the culture that we were raised in. And then he goes on to say, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. Now he's just using this as an example because no angel from heaven, and Paul knew himself that he was not going to be um, preaching a different gospel, but he was just using this as an example to say, if you are preaching another gospel, if you are following another gospel other than the one that I'm preaching to you, a gospel of freedom and not of slavery, then what? You're going to be under curse. He says, as we have already said, I, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And what he's saying here, if you believe, if you are teaching a different gospel than what I preach, then you're headed for destruction, right? Headed for destruction. Now, he's talking about Christians here, so he's not talking about their salvation, but he's talking about the way they live their life. Man, if you want to experience some negative consequences, do this Jesus plus thing, right? And so this is why I say, when we read Scripture, when we try to interpret Scripture to match our own beliefs and our own desires, we are headed for destruction. Because then we are trying to live a life of a gospel other than the gospel that we see in Scripture. That's a totally different gospel. It's not that same gospel, right? And so the question is, how do we live our lives? And we're going to see this later on as we continue on Galatians. But we are not to live a life following rules and regulations in order to gain acceptance by Christ. You know, how many of us are trapped in the cycle that my faith is all about, all about I do this and I don't do that? And that pretty much sums up my faith. is all about doing this or not doing that, right? It's not about that because God will not transform your life if you think works will do it because that's what the Old Testament was all about. And the Old Testament couldn't save anybody. The laws couldn't save anybody, anybody. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. He said the laws actually pointed out that you couldn't um, make the cut, and so you needed a Savior, right? So don't live your life following rules or in order to gain acceptance by Christ. It's only through the Holy, living by the Holy Spirit and being powered by the Holy Spirit, that you could get to know Christ and live a transformed life. Because once again, who gets all the glory? God. Who transformed you? Is it your willpower? No. Yes, we have to make a choice to be obedient to God's word. Because God's word is there for a reason. Number one, he loves us. Number two, he created us. And number three, he knows the best way for us to live our lives. Right? So we need to choose to obey it. However, it is a walking by the Holy Spirit, and you will do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we're going to learn about that later, right? And so finally, in verse 10, it says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? 
or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, or I would not be a servant of Christ. And so they were accusing Paul of, hey, you're a people pleaser. Hey, you're taking out works. You're taking out circumcision. You're taking out the dietary laws. You're taking out all of these things that we were accustomed to doing. And you're taking that out, and you're saying that salvation is just by grace. You're making it too easy for people. You're trying to please people. And so that they were, they were accusing him of, right? Last point. Disciples need to be willing to stand alone for the gospel of Christ. Paul was not trying to please people. Paul was teaching the truth. And of all the lessons I think that my dad, my dad taught me that I remember the most was I remember his words when he said, when I was still a child, he said, Dave, well, David, he didn't call me Dave then. Um, he said, when you live your life as a Christian life, as a Christian, you need to learn to stand alone. Because your friends are going to do things that are opposite of what the Bible says. And when they do, you need to stand alone. And that was a hard lesson to learn. Because it made me very lonely when I was growing up in high school. Not a whole lot of friends. Because all of my friends in junior high started doing things in high school that, okay, what they're doing is not in the line with Scripture. Didn't mean I hated them or anything like that. I said, you know, as a Christian, I can't participate in this anymore. I wasn't trying to please people. I was trying to please God. And in doing so, so I stood alone. And it was difficult. But this is one thing I tried to pass on to Michael. Is Michael, same thing, I told him the exact words my dad told me. And now for him, it was, it was tough in high school too. You know, because he had to stand alone. And parents, I encourage you to teach this to your children. If they're a disciple of Jesus Christ, they're going to need to learn to stand alone. That their job is to please our Father in heaven and not people. And that could be a hard, hard lesson. Because as a father, it's not easy watching your child stand alone. As it was for my dad. When my dad said, hey, David, are you going to go out? No. Or my dad, you know, why are you home all the time? You wanted to go out with so-and-so, you know. And they, they, they just saw me by myself. And it was hard for them. And I told them why. But they understood and so, parents, it's not easy to watch your child go through that, right? But I think it's an important lesson, and we see that here. As disciples of Jesus need to be willing to stand alone for the gospel of Christ, and that's what Paul was doing. He was being accused. He was being saying, you are people, please, or he goes, no, I'm not. I'm trying to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm teaching you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I guarantee you, even though I didn't understand it then, after my father told me about it, and I had some painful times, looking back, I'm so thankful that he did. Because because of that, it spurred me from experiencing a lot of things my friends did and got into trouble for, who changed the course of their lives because of it's important that we please God and we're not concerned 
with pleasing others. You know, we are to love others. We are to care for others. But when there's a conflict between what others believe, how others act, and what we see in Scripture, Scripture always wins. Scripture has to be a priority. But the beautiful thing about living a life of freedom is that God wrote this because he loved us. God knows that this is the best way to live. However, he knows we're going to mess up. Then all we do is we come back to him and experience God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, which is there 100% of the time. So we don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to hide from God. We're not using rules and regulations to determine our relationship with God because every time we mess up, it's like, oh, man, God must be mad at me. God must be disappointed in me. Okay, God must not accept me anymore. That's not the gospel. That's not living in freedom. That's living in slavery. Living in freedom is trusting God, that he knows what's best, and living that life, being powered by the Holy Spirit. And once you do, not worrying about the to-do list that a lot of us live with, that's when you start living in the freedom that Galatians talks about. And we're going to unpack that more as we go on with this series. So our weekly challenge is to read Galatians 1, 1 through 10 every single day. And then identify any areas in life where you are using works to justify yourself to God. We all do that. We all do that. And my guess is if you're doing that and you mess up, Man, it's a burden on you. You're feeling guilty. You're feeling tired. You're feeling, feeling weary. And this is not what God wanted for you. He wanted you to have joy. He wanted you to have peace. This is why he opened the door to live a life of grace, not works. Then ask God to give you the courage to obey Scripture and not please people. I'll bet my house that many of you are going to encounter situations this week where it's like, what do I do? I know what Scripture says, but I know the situation I'm in right now. What do I do? What do I do? And I pray that each one of you, that God would give you the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to stand alone. I'm going to try... I'm going to I choose under the power of the Holy Spirit to please my God and not the people around me. Doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. But at least choose that. Okay, worship team, please come forward and let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I know all of us here grew up in a culture where everything that we have every comfort that we have, every accomplishment, Father, we experience, there was a certain part of our effort that got us there. And it's so ingrained in us, Father, that we have to work in order to achieve. But, Father, to try to follow you with that mindset is living a life of slavery because our flesh is set against 
your will. And yes, sir, even though, Father, we are a new creature, our, our, our sin nature is still there. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here right now who's struggling with living their faith. They're tired of following just rules and regulations, and their relationship with you is not about trusting you and getting to know you better, but it's about, I have to do this, and I, I, I'm not supposed to do that. God, that's not the way you wanted us to live. You wanted us to live in the freedom of trusting you and knowing you and being in a relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, would you please work in the hearts and the minds of those of us who are still trying to do what the people, Christians in the Church of Galatia were trying to do, the Jesus plus gospel, Father, which is a gospel that enslaves, but a gospel that does not free. A gospel does not bring joy, but brings guilt. A gospel that does not give energy, but makes us weary. And so, Father, throughout the course of this series, Father, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and let us know that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to allow us to live a life of freedom and not a life of slavery. And as Paul was so upset because he was living a life of your grace and he was seeing his converts going back to living a life of slavery. So, Father, may your truth permeate our hearts and minds this week. In your son's name we pray. Amen.